0: It's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. This is part three of three parts from March 6, 2023, which was, and you are a super hardcore fan if you know this off the top of your head, that was the centennial of the birthday of West Montgomery. We were celebrating, actually we celebrated all day long, 24 hours on WKCR. And these three hours with my guest, Rodney Jones, the man's a zealot. All things west. He is steeped and ready to share. And man, I'm so glad he came in with me that night. And you are the beneficiary. Here we go. It's part three. If you didn't hear parts one and two, go check them out. I got a surprise. A little Easter egg waiting for you in part two. But this is part
1: three. <laughs>
2: West Montgomery is featured with the Winton Kelly trio with Winton Kelly at the piano. Jimmy Cobb on drums and Larry Ridley is sitting in for for Paul Chambers on bass. Just want to remind you this group will be here for another week. And I would suggest you come by and visit. After that, we'll have uh, the pleasure of presenting here at the Half Note. Clark Terry and Bob Rickmeyer with the quintet. Also want to remind you all to stay tuned, of course. uh, I say say tune, but what I'm talking about is be with us tomorrow afternoon for our Jazz matinee show from three until six. And then the sounds of the big bands, which is also jazz orientated, from 10 until midnight here at wabc fl Yeah, the beautiful sounds of jazz, live and stereo. Another thing, um, which I want you to make mention of, we'll have an artist with us, one of our great jazz artists, Lucky Thompson, will be with us as our guest. We'll interview him and talk about a good number of things and play some of the new releases that he has out currently. Lucky Thompson with us tomorrow afternoon. So actually until three, stay beautiful. Fabulous West Montgomery with the Winton Kelly trio. This is a moment that many of our listeners, of course, and the people who are... That may be true, Alan Grant, but um,
0: we're going to let you take a little pause there because we heard that part already. This is West Montgomery Radio today, March 6, 2023, the 100th anniversary. His arrival on this planet. Yay! Yay! (laughs) And uh, sad to say, he left... Uh, 55 years ago he's 45 years old and still a young man with so much music in him he got it done maybe yeah maybe he, he he did what he came to do i think so wow wow i am sharing this moment with rodney jones it's a great great joy and man you've got the laser beam on this music i'm not joking we are at the Half Note Club down on Spring Street in Hudson.
3: I knew this place looked different. I, yeah.
0: I well, now, to, I, last dope. time I went by there, I did actually go, cause, you know I'm me, <laughs> and I wanted to see what it was. I was in the neighborhood, and it was uh, it was like a uh, Korean market or You
3: something really like must that. get out more.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> I knew. Need... <laughs> they let me out they let me out sometimes On weekends now. i'm paroled after 40 years and um but yeah at that time in 1965 when we're listening to this this was one of the spots maybe you heard the announcer talking about who's coming up clark terry and bobby brookmeyer and uh, we know some other live recordings but but clearly west montgomery was uh laying in spending a lot of time here considering maybe he came i wonder i don't know i'm just kind of conjecturing maybe he'd come to new york to do a recording session and hey that friday night man come meet me down at the yeah spot fellas
3: i know that he and clark terry were friends and i knew that because i got to know clark terry a little bit and and uh interestingly enough dizzy gillespie told me that i asked dizzy i said who really understands what you do on the trumpet and he said only clark terry he, yeah, I
0: mean that's what that's what the people that know,
3: and so the Clark would love, you know, Wes would make sense because Clark's values musically are completely in alignment with Wes's, which is swing and feeling and groove and fun and you know. Yeah,
0: and he also had that thing he could, what he was doing, he could communicate it to people who had no interest whatsoever in the fine art of correct music he was and he was an entertainer as Mm -hmm. dizzy was and i don't think uh not to say that wes played to the cheap seats but he could make his ideas understood to people who didn't have his i think he
3: i think he was able to early on in his career discern like when i play the chord solos like people can bounce to, they can feel the rhythm, the punchiness of that. Or when I play like octaves, it simplifies the melody enough that people can actually hear what's going on and simplifies the Im- improvisation. It's still really good, but I think he, you know, he correctly figured that out. You know, and it's a rare, not not a lot of musicians really figure that out in that way. He, he did figure that out though.
0: You mentioned something interesting to me a while ago now. I don't know how many people stick with us all the way through end to end, but... Um, you said how one of his early uh opportunities came with lionel hampton yeah and i'm just thinking about the fact that wes's great inspiration originally was charlie christian and he and hampton had played together do we know anything about that uh
3: um no i just know he played with lionel for a few years and then i think he wanted to get off the road and uh, I don't think that, I don't think it really worked for him. that. But there is video of it, and there's a number of recordings of him with Lionel. Um, I got to play with Lionel Hampton one time, and he still owes me $50. Ah. It <laughs> <laughs> really, he, it was one of those gigs, like, yeah, hey, yeah, listen, I got this gig, it's with the big band. I said, oh, really? I said, yeah, it pays $50. I'm like, this is after I played with Dizzy and everybody. Else. But then I thought to myself, like, you know, it's Lionel Hampton, like, I should probably pay him $50 to play with him. <laughs>
0: well, he just about got there. With yeah, it. he <laughs>
3: did, because I'm still waiting. I, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever collect it now, you know. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Well, uh, something that uh listener was interested in, which I had thought to ask you, too, we're back in this moment, in the present day of 1965. What do we know about the rig that went Well, guns? Wes
3: played everything on a vintage Strat, the same guitar that Jimi Hendrix used, Wes, which,
1: Mm-hmm,
0: and
3: if you believe on. that go i've got a briggs to sell you if anyone if anyone believed that you need to check yourself if you actually were going with me on that no not so much you probably need to like read the grove history of jazz if you believe that um you no know, wes used uh uh he had a few guitars that he used in you know early on in his career um, but he was most closely associated with the on l5 a gibson l5 which at that time was their flagship and premier model along with the super 400 which is a bigger model um, he played an L5, and I, generally he used, I think, 14-gig strings, flat-wounds. That's wound. heavy, right? Yeah, flat-wounds, uh, flat. George Benson also has used 14s. I think George now uses 12s. Um, I've used 13s, you know. And what's
0: uh, significant about, when you say, 14s?
3: Uh, they don't bend, and, you know, you they provide more resistance. The upside of that is that the tone, they speak, they ring like a bell. Like, when you hit it, it really speaks, and particularly if you're hitting it with the thumb, so the, the flesh on the thumb gives, the string does not give so much, so you get a more bell-like clarity to it. The downside is it's, you know, it's 14th. You've got to be like Thor.
0: How about know? that? Uh, you got to be Thor with the with the thumb, the right thumb. Yeah. What about courting with the left hand? The Hulk. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah
3: it gotta... requires a lot of strength. But I think that... You know, I think that Wes you know it's only you only need strength if you're not used to doing it. you know if you, if you get used to doing it, your body is acclimated to that and you've developed those muscles, I think to him he probably wasn't working as hard as what you know to me, it's like Mount Everest. yeah, but if if you've gotten used to that, I think he could just do it. But I think he worked hard, you know, but he it's the process of he did what most musicians um, don't do, including myself. Which is from the very beginning, play completely natural, like whatever the whatever your natural inclination to do, to follow that, like and don't don't like oh well I should play these scales this way or this way or so and so plays it this way. You know, I, he he remarked in an interview that's available. Uh, I believe I shared it here, but you know he said it already. You know, he just said he uses the guitar to to express his ideas. Mm. Like he's not a guitar player so much, and and his playing reflects that. I mean, he's he's a genius guitarist. But he leads with the music and the guitar supports the musical vision versus leading with the guitar and maybe there's a lot of good music there. So, you know, um, I, I just think that's that's what he did. But yeah, it's so a flat wounds, so I think yeah, it's and flat wound. Maybe. Flat wounds are strings that are that don't have the the how you can tell it's a flat wound is you don't get any fret noise. You know, if you listen to people play acoustic guitars and you hear the squeaking, mm. that's because your finger is is playing against the ridges of the string. Flat wounds is they wrap a wire, a flat wire, so there is no ridge. it's just a one of flat flat type of thing. And so there's no fret noise when you move up and down, which the way West played with the chords and the octaves, if there was a lot of string noise and buzzing, that would be horrific. So he played with round wounds. I and mean with flat with flat. flat on. yeah. And uh, do we know what kind of amp he might have been using? Any idea? He used a Standel. Uh, generally speaking, it was a Standell amp. You know something that that's lost on many many younger musicians, and I know because I teach them and have taught them, is that uh, you know West used, like what we call vintage, like you know all the Standell amp and they, Like he used the cutting edge technology of the time. You know that tremolo sound was cutting edge, the vibrato thing. He used Standell used the best amplifiers. He used the super reverb fender which was one of the best amplifiers. I played that amp lives in Rudy Van Gelder's studio mm-hmm. over in Jersey and I played through the amp. It's, it's amazing and beautiful, you know. And uh so he used the best technology and the L5 was the best you could get at the time. So it just it's interesting to me people, you know, want to go back to oh it's a vintage sound, but at the time when people are using it it wasn't vintage. It was the best that they had, you know.
0: It's got a, it's a real uh tube amp kind of sound. A yeah, tube too.
3: amplifier sound. Although I think the Standel had a solid state component, but uh you know, in the hands of Wes Montgomery, you know, it's, it's, right. that, it's that old story, you know, like, you know, you, you play at a club and, and the guitar player says, man, that guitar sounds amazing. You say, really? <laughs> Here. You hand him the guitar, it's like it doesn't sound amazing all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> what, I mean, ultimately, Wes was the guitar. You know, yeah. I, I've seen George Benson the same thing. I've seen George play on any guitar and it sounds 100% George Benson. Like any, I've heard him play on every type of guitar with every type of string and it's 100% him and, and genius. That's a that's a type of gift, too. So Wes, you know, Wes's sound from instrument to instrument, some of them are more twangy than others, depending on how the guitar is set up. And also, if you're touring, you know, wooden instruments tend to move based on temperature and, and if it's being bounced around a little bit in a car or whatever. So you can hear from, I can hear from recording to recording that, oh, the guitar was not exactly optimized as well or maybe the strings were a little older and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, by and large, you know, he... Also, round wilds would tear up your thumb. Right, so right. It would tear up the skin on your thumb. Even if with the callus, it would would dig into that every night. So flat's allowed him to not have that.
0: And get... Do we know, Did he have like a monster callus on that not right so thumb? Not so much.
3: I think he had a. Uh, I think it was probably a deep callus, and not so much a. a you know, you can see I have a, a, a spot on my thumb too. I think it was more, uh, more that sort of thing. Like if we were to feel this, it's not a hard, big, hard knot, but it's it's firm, you know, and it it's just you know it's just deep. And he also played with, you know, he had a couple of different hand positions. One was to play off the, the flat part of the thumb, and then depending on the tempo, sometimes you play more on the tip of the thumb. you get more, more pick-like sort of sound. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's unknown about Wes Montgomery that is, um, I won't say it's unknown, but not really discussed much, is that there's a, a genius, almost like a golden mean or Fibonacci type of thing going on with his left and right hand. Like the mechanics, the fingering he uses on the left Exactly matches the way his the directionalism of his thumb, and so that's why it's so incredible. You could learn the left hand thing, and if you're the thumb part, you're not going to get it. And you could learn the thumb part, and without the left hand, you're not going to get it. And if you try to use a pick, well, by definition, you're not going to get it. and If you try to use four fingers, forget it, because he used three, two most of the time, and three. So, in order to really find the genius of that, it requires. Suspending your judgment about what is actually the best practice to play the guitar. Oh, best practice is to you know play with the thumb behind the neck and use right. four fingers. And uh, you know Wes had his thumb all around and played with two. And listened to it. You tell me. <laughs> you know.
0: And that comes out of I guess teaching himself. And he would, I, the story I heard that put on that Charlie Christian record and just sat himself down.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think he he didn't know what was impossible, so he he could do it. You know I, the funny story. You know I played with James Brown the first time I played with James Brown, and uh, not to make it about me, but the first time I played with James Brown, uh, you know when I was growing up as a kid, James Brown always used two guitar players. He used Jimmy Nolan and and Catfish Collins. Well, I didn't know that I was a kid. I'd never seen him on TV or anything. Right. Like, so I learned both guitar parts. A hybridized like I thought it was one guy. So I tried to figure out how to play it on. So I learned those parts. And when I got to play with with uh, James Brown the first time at the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Um, and James Brown did two or three songs, and I played both parts. Like, <laughs> wow. and James came over to me, and Bobby, uh, uh what's his name? Uh, not Bobby Bird, um, uh, Bob, Bobby, Mister Babbitt, they called him, who was um, Bob Babbitt, I think, not Bob the bass player, but it was, his name was Mister Babbitt, who was his manager. He said, uh, Mister Mister Babbitt, uh, give that young man a card. We're gonna hire him in our band. And I, so I was uh, very honored, you know. I said, oh, Thank you, Mister Brown. You know. And, and as they were walking away, I heard him say, "Shoot, we can save some money. We only have to hire one <laughs> guitar player. He plays both parts. We'll hire one guitar player. You know." <clears throat>
0: oh man, but yeah, that's that's no small task.
3: Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so Wes didn't know what he couldn't do, so therefore he could do anything. You know, he was not he was unencumbered by what's right, what's correct. What his the only thing you know his here's West Montgomery's secret of theory. He had a genius secret of theory that no one knows greater than any other musician of theory. And here's the secret of theory. I'm going to whisper it because I don't want anyone, you didn't hear it from me. Here's the secret of theory. If the second note sounds good to you after the first note, it's right. Yeah.
0: That was his theory. There's a big overlap
3: between him and Art Tatum in a way, isn't there? I mean, they're both supernatural geniuses. Art Tatum, of course, was such a, Art Tatum, Dizzy Gillespie told me that that was the hardest person he ever had to play with, that Art Tatum was impossible to play with because Art's harmonic palette was so great that no one could possibly follow. You know, while you're playing on one chord, Art is already four chords away on something else, you know. Um, I think Wes was a genius. I mean, if, if I had never heard anyone play chords like that and octaves like that, and I was trying to play to that. I wouldn't have any idea what to do. I, mean, I wouldn't have known because I, it was not heard. I had never heard that. I mean, I heard great players. You could listen to Kenny Burrell and you know Barney Kessel and Hank Garland and and beautiful players, but not that. Never swinging like that, never making those tempos like that, never the chord solos like that. Just It, it was never heard. So, you know, fortunately the players that he got to play with him either grew up with him, so they were used to it. Melvin Mel Ryan knew what to do because he grew up playing with Wes what to do. And the Montgomery brothers, of course, knew what to do because they were brothers. Yeah. And then you get Jimmy Cobb and, and uh, you know Paul Chambers and Wynton Kelly, who are such uber level professionals. They immediately could hear how to adapt. And likewise, Tommy Flanagan and Ron Carter on some of those recordings, and Lex Humphries. You know, they knew what they knew what to do because they were they made it about the music and not about oh how can I shine. They were like how can I make the music shine, which made West shine you know it's a rare they yeah. are, they, you know someone who who in the current era does that did that was kenny kirkland mm, who, yeah. who kenny made everybody he played with sound better he was a genius don't get me wrong he could he was a brilliant soloist but having played with him many times i always sounded better when he was playing for me he never made it about him with me he made it about how can i make rodney sound the best and that's just a rare gift that it requires a humility and a and I know something, Wes, something that I was told, um, Clark Terry told me, is that Wes was always the first person to volunteer not to solo. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know, if they're, they're running short on time, oh, I don't have to solo on the tune, no, I'm, I'm cool, I'll, I'll play one chorus, you go ahead and solo. And you think, like, here's this genius soloist yeah. who could outplay anybody he's playing with, who's the first person to say, no, you go ahead and solo, I'll, you shine, I'll just sit in the back and, and help you shine.
0: He's it, dead, he's going to get in the car, drive back to Indianapolis. Exactly.
3: But <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a beautiful... humility and and willingness, you know, what he values. You know, it's not what you know in music that determines how you sound. It's what you value. Mm. And if you value tone and sound, then that comes out. If you value swinging and groove and feeling and, you know, melody and, and, and hip harmonies and rhythmic diversity, then that comes out. And that's what he valued and you hear it when he plays. It's obvious that that's what he cared about.
0: Rodney Jones. We have heard astonishing things tonight. We have heard music that we hadn't heard before live recordings nightclub hole in the wall one-of-a-kind things and we even heard a solo rehearsal from a hotel room never before aired any place as far as we know i
3: confirm i can either confirm nor deny
0: (laughs) (laughs) and the one thing that the most astonishing thing of all that i have to say is it's nine o'clock. We've been here three hours,
3: and we're done. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it has been a real blessing. It's an, first of all, it's an honor to to celebrate West Montgomery. If he were here, I could only say to him, "Thank you for so many gifts of love, for changing my life, for making um, a difference, and showing me the values of what I want." He showed me what I wanted to be as a musician, and that you know what you know what greater gift than that? To, he 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 created the path and showed me that these are the things that are valuable. Go find your own way with those things, but here are the things to look for, here are the signposts, and so that was that's what I would say, and I would say thank you to you, for what you have done, and to WKCR for playing this amazing music. I mean, it's a resource, it's it's an American treasure, it's a, it's a, it's something worthy of preserving and being heard, and it adds value to life, and that's the main thing. If you're going to trade time of your life for something, this is a worthy trade.
0: I could never say it better, and my. Enormous thanks to you for taking your time and My sharing it with us and your wisdom and insight that's come from such dedication to this music.
3: I love the music and I love those who love it, like you. <laughs> right.
0: All right. We're going to, this program is going to continue at least three more hours. And uh, it's the West Montgomery Centennial Broadcast. It's WKCR FM New York, WKCR HD, WKCR.org. Eighty-nine point nine FM. If you you want to hear these last three hours again, you can catch them on the Deep Focus podcast. Set up your subscription right now on your podcasting app. So, and you'll get a reminder when this segment comes up next week. And um, but three more hours, West Montgomery coming at you, and then rolling right into the Maurice Ravel birthday broadcast. You
3: can't beat that. <laughs> Maybe
0: well at midnight there will be the legendary jam session between the two
3: i, I think know. there's a parks and recreation <laughs> episode that has something like that in it.
0: <laughs> i've got to stop now all right i'm mitch goldman rodney jones has been my guest thank you don't go any place because it's just more and more and more west montgomery coming at you we're going to keep it at the blue note i mean at the, at the half <laughs> note right now blue note was not around back then but the half note was and now it's Larry Ridley on the bass, Jimmy Cobb on the drums, Wynton Kelly's piano. It's actually Wynton Kelly's date. It's December now, still 1965, and uh, we'll let Alan Grant make the announcement. Thanks for being along with us. It's West Montgomery Radio on WKC
2: R. Works, Berks? works, works, works. It works. Works, works. <laughs> West Montgomery. <laughs> Montgomery, West Montgomery with the Winton Kelly Trio, and we should have a special hand tonight for Mr. Larry Ridley, who is sitting in for Paul Chambers on bass. Mr. Larry Ridley on bass. There's a tune called Four on Six. Four on six. West Montgomery is featured with the Winton Kelly Trio, with Winton Kelly at the piano, Jimmy Cobb on drums, and Larry Ridley is sitting in for Paul Chambers on bass. Just want to remind you this group will be here for another week, and I would suggest you come by and visit. After that, we'll have uh, the pleasure of presenting here at the half note. Clark Terry and Bob Brookmeyer with the Quintet. I also want to remind you all to stay tuned. Of course, uh, (laughs) I say stay tuned, but what I'm talking about is be with us tomorrow afternoon for our Jazz Matinee Show from 3 until 6. And then the sounds of the big bands, which is also jazz orientated, from 10 until midnight here at WABC-FM. Yeah, the beautiful sounds of jazz live in stereo. Another thing... um, which I wanted to make mention of. We'll have an artist with us, one of our great jazz artists, Lucky Thompson, who will be with us as our guest. We'll interview him and talk about a good number of things and play some of the new releases that he has out currently. Lucky Thompson with us tomorrow afternoon. So actually until three, stay beautiful.